This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. Hi, everyone. Welcome. It's time for Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data stack. This is coming to you live from Austin, Texas, where we have an honest, no BS conversation about enterprise data management. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, joined by my co-host, Juan. Hey, Tim. I'm Juan Cicado, principal scientist here at Data.World. And as always, it's Wednesday. We're back, season four, episode two, season four, Wednesday, middle of the day, middle of the week, end of the day, time to have a drink and have an honest, no BS conversation about data. And uh, today, our special guests, we have two guests, but this is a very special guest for me personally, because I've known y'all for a long time, many, many years, and we've gone back and forth, our lives have crossed paths, and now we're here all together in Austin, which is so cool. So I want to introduce Roll and Valentine, they're both from VOPAC, you're the global head of data at VOPAC, you're one of the system architects, and today we're just going to be talking about taking all this BS that we hear and bringing it back to reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first of all, let's uh, uh, do our tell and toast, so how are, you guys, how are you guys doing and what are we toasting and what are we uh, drinking, what are we toasting for? Well, first of all, we're doing fine, yeah. <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't have been here, of course, and uh, thanks guys for, uh, for, for having us, mm-hmm. great to be here. Uh, long-time listener to uh, to the podcast and uh, good to contribute as well. Oh. I, I'm having an IPA. I've been asked for an IPA uh, actually. We have been in the car from Houston to uh, to Austin for uh, for three hours in uh, 35 degrees. Not sure what it is in Fahrenheit. It's hot. Uh, but yeah, for, it was 90, 90. I saw it 90. on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. But for Dutch people, that's quite hot. So an yeah, IPA yeah. brings me some uh, freshness. <laughs> nice. Yeah. How about you, Valentine? I'm I'm drinking a cider, but I actually was hoping for a mojito because the heat brings me back some memories uh, of of. Uh, Let's say the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, but there's no beach around yeah. here, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. But then again, uh, I can live with any uh, anything cool and fresh uh, around here. So uh, yeah, but thanks for having us. That's yeah, it. so I, I, I listened into the podcast once, so uh, not familiar with all of it. But I listened to many podcasts, so hopefully uh, I can contribute <laughs> to this one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tim. How about you? Well, I'm drinking a uh, scotch and ginger right now, and I'm cheersing to just being able to meet with 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 customers with partners with you all it's it's awesome to be able to you know it's for the last three years it's been tough you know having to work from home and things like that yeah. being able to meet with each other collaborate yeah. i mean it's uh it's great to be able to do that so cheers to that yeah. cheers yeah and i'm drinking something that i called el burro and it is uh tequila agave bitters and some ginger beer actually super refreshing so you actually should have had this yeah so i'll do that but i'll save them on for later yeah and cheers i'm going to cheers for we're going to be having the data.world summit in a couple of weeks on september 22nd we have a great lineup of speakers so many different topics so go off to our website data.world and you can find the summit so you can sign up all right so warm-up question of the day if you could actually manifest something just from thoughts alone what mundane task would you use that to make your life easier? Well, in my professional life, I'm uh, automating data, right? And making it easier to work with data and, uh, and building systems that would uh, uh, automate it. In my personal life, I still have to fill in my, my kids' school papers by, uh, with, with paper and pencil and I'm having to copy my personal details and one of my wife's and one of my, my kids over and over and over again. So if I could stop that, that would be great. <laughs> Yeah, like so that. no more pen and paper. No more pen and paper. <laughs> and we're kind of almost there with technology, just not fully implemented yet. Huh? Not in primary schools yet. No. <laughs> so it's something I can do by thoughts alone, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it could be transferring ideas. Mm. So that's either professional or personal. Sometimes I say, okay, okay, guys, we need to go maybe on a road trip. Shall we do this? I need to do convincing, tell them different things, and they don't, they don't always go my way as well. Same goes in professional life. I had to write out the idea, sketch something. It would be just easier if someone just agrees with me all uh, right away mm. without thinking out uh, or writing out everything I need to do. I like that. A little bit if of that's, that's a task uh, for, yeah. by thoughts alone, and uh, that would be very handy. But unfortunately, nobody can read my mind. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, let's say science fiction for now. It's a good one. Uh, that's a good idea, though. I, I, I think for me, I would pick, um, uh, you know, I really enjoy cooking, but I, 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 in, more than cooking, I enjoy a home-cooked meal. Oh, yeah. So I would like to think the food I want, and I just want oh. it to get cooked automatically. You that see, I enjoy I – was, I was like, oh, you're going to steal mine. I enjoy cooking. I love cooking. I don't like to do the dishes. Oh. So 
Yeah, but that can be yeah. automated to some point. Yeah, but still, so, still. But that's I would one. automate both of those. I think. No, I, I want. I don't automate my cooking. That is my relaxation. <laughs> but all right. Anyways, let's let's get into the discussion. So okay, honest, no BS. Um, we all read things. There's all so much stuff out there to go read, and there's books and blogs and podcasts and all that stuff. And there's a lot of people, thought leaders, and hey, ourselves included, right? We're talking about all this stuff. We're talking about all this stuff that can frankly be heard or considered BS. Or you, you have to kind of sift through all that noise and what is the BS and not. But after that, you're actually going to start finding these gems and you hear them over and over again. And you're like, wait, there's something really here, something really valuable that I need to bring into my organization. But now you got to bring it to your organization and got to convince some people. So how do you sift through all the BS and the thought leadership? And how do you bring that into the organization? Yeah, I think that's a great question. It is also typically what, uh, what we are doing on a daily basis. Uh, I remember, that is maybe also uh, nice to share. I remember when I was entering this field, which is, I think, close to 15 years ago, I had the idea that I would understand the field, right? Things would kind of be in control. There was like data warehousing was my area of expertise at that uh, moment in time. And uh, uh, it was all being done similar by the same organizations. You had these business applications, you would extract data to, to a data warehouse and you would have a BI tool on top of it. And uh, that was it. And I remember in my first job interview, actually, that the question I was being asked what the difference was between Inman and Kimball. You know, that was kind of the thing that you had to know at that uh, moment in time. But now, uh, obviously, for good reasons, it's it's much more difficult to uh, um, yeah to keep in touch with the industry and knows uh, knows what is going on. And uh, actually, frankly speaking, I don't think I know everything anymore. What is uh, what what is going on? So I think, but the thing that I try to do is not only look outside anymore of course I, I i tend to do that as well but really try to understand what is it that our organization needs and that is actually the starting point from looking outside anymore because keeping keeping all the trends together that's uh, in my view next to a daytime job that became impossible yeah there's just yeah there's so much noise out there but i think one of the things that we were discussing beforehand is even within your organization there are things that we've always done yeah. There's just like the traditional things. And I mean, data governance is something we've always done, right? Then you talk about MDM, like that's the old thing we've always done, right? Yeah. But then there's like these new, call it new trends or new cool things that are the new shiny objects that well, if you take the BS away, you're like, okay, there's not actually something valuable here. So yeah. how do you reconcile between these, like the, tr the traditional things, which frankly, let's be honest, they are valuable. Some There's a lot of bullshitty things that you don't want to go do there. But yeah. how do you reconcile like the tradition, let's call it quote unquote traditional with yeah. all these new things coming out and convincing your peers that, that this is actually valuable? For yeah. yeah, I think, and um, I only heard that uh, later because I wasn't at the Gartner conference, but I think the Gartner conference, the keynote in the Gartner conference started also with appreciating, but taking also more care at data as being a liability, because we tend to talk a lot about data as being an asset. And of course, we have to keep on doing it, right? Because that, that brings value and et cetera. And I think I can, uh, we can talk a bit more how we do that also within Volpac. How do we really make data an asset? But I think it has to be balanced between also data as a liability. And there, indeed, you, uh, you have to look at things of governance. And Traditional governance looks different than governance now, but governance still is a very important part. MDM, I think technically we solved that 20 years ago, but still I think many organizations are um, struggling with MDM because it is much more an organizational thing than a technical uh, yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Data modeling, um, 50 years ago, very popular. I don't know, that disappeared some, somehow. Now it's being taken back again. Um, I think finding a balance indeed in uh, data as an asset, getting value out of that, uh, and maybe we have to go through some examples of, uh, of uh, VOPAC versus data as a li liability. That I see as one of the, the most important things of also of my, uh, my uh, function. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the, the rise of all these new technologies, cloud, SaaS vendors, that, that tend to automate a lot of the things. Like there's unlimited amount of possibilities. Maybe you tend to forget, let's say, the more things that require discipline and no machine yeah, or no, yeah, no machine can ever take over the, the fact that someone owns certain things, that someone's entering information. So maybe they were all focused on the new things, yeah. then kind of forgot that you also need that discipline yeah. uh, up front, yeah. which was more required before I started working. Uh, when you started, it's uh, yeah, the modeling and the governance. And that's 
yeah, it's coming back at you now because yeah, now the amount of data has increased, but also the governance needs to be increased. Yeah. Has the uh, you know data lake movement and some of that aspect do you think taken out some of that muscle of like governance data modeling? Did that kind of throw yeah. a big wrench into that? And now yeah. everybody's kind of like, oh, wait a yeah, second, we, we need to come back to a lot of that, right? Definitely. If you yeah. tell an engineer, okay, we have this place, just dump it over there. Yeah, that that takes away some of the things okay do we need it we're going to use it for so which i might use in the future whereas in the area of okay we do data warehousing let's say okay, i need this source i need to transform it this way and then this is where i'm going to use it for so it was more dedicated in what you're going to use it for yeah that's a, that's a lengthy process uh, so i think the data lake on itself is good but yeah just dumping it somewhere doesn't really solve any any issues yeah. and, it, and yeah you tend to forget let's say the modeling and governance part on that. So one thing you said, which is really interesting, is this difference between kind of data as an asset and data as a liability. And yeah. I, I would argue that traditionally we've been looking data kind of more kind of from that protective liability point of view and not yeah. as much as from the asset and yeah. as a product and so forth. So I think in that reconciliation, part of it of like, again, quote unquote, legacy, old school type of stuff falls more into the, into the liability aspects of using the yeah. data. You got governance, so you protect it. You got to go, like, go ahead and do but then we need to start thinking about it as, okay, data as a, as a product, as an asset to, to solve and make money more, uh, provide more business value. And I think that's where a lot of the kind of the new trends that we're seeing that you're, yeah. we're reading around and all the thought leaders are talking about, like that's where, that, that's how you would want to go balance this. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, maybe as an example uh, to also understand a bit the uh, journey that we and Vopak are, uh, are doing. So I think that the, the first question in getting value out of, uh, out of data, so data really becomes an asset is, what challenges does my business run into and what are the opportunities and how do you translate that to a, a data question or a data solution? That is hard, right? That's not something that you as a data team can do. That's why you have to collaborate with your business, uh, with your business partners. So what we did last year is we set up a data academy. And uh, the purpose of the data academy is that uh, we, we track down these challenges and these op opportunities and together with our business partner, we work down to, 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 to translate these um, opportunities of challenges. For example, energy. Everybody wants to consume an energy. How do you, how do you have that business uh, question, which is probably central to your strategy or central to your, uh, the way the board uh, thinks about your business or things that needs to be solved? How do you translate that into a data question and later in a data solution that really can, uh, uh, can pay benefits? The way we approach this is with a data academy is that we set up a cross-functional team, data persons, business persons. We train them to establish a common language. So we have created a two-day foundational training and we train that cross-functional team together with the stakeholders around it for two days. And what does it mean to work with data? What, what are typical opportunities? What are the things that you can challenge with uh, and solve with, uh, with data? How does the data uh, game looks like? What type of analysis can you do? What does the data come from? Uh, uh, what's the role of an owner in there? What's the role of, an, uh, of the analyst in, uh, in, in, in there? And with that cross-functional team, you really narrow down the, the business challenge. Yeah, we want to save an energy and we want to uh, reduce the uh, um, greenhouse gas emission to what on my terminal, uh, Vopac is a tank terminal uh, uh, organization. We have 70 tank terminals around the world. On the terminal, you will find big assets, you know, pumps and tanks and products that need to be heated. What on the terminal can contribute to that uh, uh, saving the, and reducing the greenhouse gas emissions? That's the purpose of this data academy. And that is really, uh, that's not so much tech, technology, but that's really working together in cross-functional teams, data people with business uh, people to, um, uh, to narrow down, the, that down to a data solution. I think that is an example of something that's, well, they didn't exist maybe before, but uh, I see that as a nice, uh, nice movement of, uh, yeah, being a mean to uh, to get more value out of uh, out of data. Yeah, I, I love this idea of this uh, the academy and what y'all are doing there. I think that's a huge way to really up level sort of the data literacy and the business literacy of a lot of people in the organization. And uh, you know, just to tie that back to the conversation we were just having, like. Is, is this academy focused a lot on more of the traditional techniques or is it focused more on the trendy things or is it really trying to hit a balance between both of those things? It's again, that balance. Mm -hmm. It's again, indeed, trying to uh, find that uh, find that balance. And um, I think that is also the, the, the thing that's being valued because 
we typically notice that many people have great ideas about uh, how they can make their own work uh, more easy if they had access to the right data. But how do you find the right uh, data? Where, where do I have to go to? Who can I ask the questions in case that I do have access to this, uh, to, 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 to this data? That's where you have to find that balance again eh, between data producers, data consumers. And I see it basically as our uh, role to bring them together. And the mean of a data academy yeah, where we provide this first training and we create this cross-functional uh, teams. Yeah, I think that's, uh, well, that worked well. I have to say so th the, uh, this is a really interesting kind of a, a takeaway here already, which is the when you think about it, having something like a data academy, that is bringing all the right people in the room together. And all these technologies and all these trends and what people are talking about everywhere, like at the end of the day, the group of people who are in that data academy, they're the ones who realize how is this going to benefit what we're trying to go do in the business. And yeah. this has been just, I mean, I, I think this is, I've seen this as a trend in the last, definitely last year, but in, even in the last months, like this, now people are going back to conferences and stuff. At, at the Gartner conference last week, it was all the conversations you were having with people uh, with the with the with people who are the, the buyers, right? We were there as a vendor, honestly. But with the buyers, they're like, okay, they're realizing that they need to make this connection more to the business, right? Our last episode last week with VIP was about how to bridge the gap between business and IT. Yep. The main takeaway that I had at the MIT CDO conference was that all the CDOs we I spoke with, they're on top of mind was how do I how am I make providing business value? And the technology conversation was just something that happened. Like it's an enabler, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think. This is now that shift that's finally happened. And I would argue that if you're that type of leader that is going in with that technology first mindset, you know what? You're not the leader anymore. No, no, no. Now in the data academy approach, I like that uh, you can look at it two ways. So one of the ways was, okay, we have this data, what things can we solve with that? And sometimes it's modeled as around a business question and what data do we need to support that? And the latter, I think is more valuable thinking about what you need and maybe you can, can't solve it right away. And then it's, I think it's up to the tech guys to find out, okay, if we want to do that, what do we need to do to accomplish that? Yeah. But there's no one from the business will ever come to us, okay, I need a data lake, I need a limited amount of cloud storage, I need you need to implement uh, something as data mesh, and I, I also need a, a catalog for that, right? So they just need, I, they want to solve those issues and uh, as fast as they can. They will never approach us, okay, yeah, we need this type of technology. Yeah. Now, now we need to convince them, okay, we need that to support uh, yeah, all of the questions that you guys yeah. have. Yeah, so that, that connects a lot to our, our conversation that we had with Dip last week about bridging between sort of the what the, the technical folks are talking about, what the business folks yeah. are talking about. You want the business folks to understand more about the technology. Yeah. You want the technologists to understand the business questions Absolutely. more. And ultimately, the business value is what matters. Yeah, ideally, they need to see the opportunity and then, then IT is an enabler to do that. Yeah. They need to at least understand what's in there. Yeah, it's like inspired. But yeah. so, so we have this conversations. We're having them more and more. This seems obvious. Yeah. I mean, I think it's obvious. Do you think it's obvious? Yeah. So why does every? Why are we still talking about it? Why is it just so? Why? What's why are the, we actually doing it? What's the struggle? Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm just guessing, but I think bridging yeah, because you really have to bridge the gap between your own thinking and the way the the, the business thinks, right? Um. And they probably think slightly in a different way. Uh, and if you want to bridge that gap, yeah, you also sometimes have to, you have your own own, own beliefs on how you think, what uh, what can be, uh, um, how your actions can improve the business. But then you talk to somebody that maybe have that completely uh, difference. And, and how do you bridge that? How do you start a conversation? How do you find out what the challenges an organization has? what the opportunities are you really have to go out and try to uh, to talk to the people and i think i'm not going to generalize this but um if you're sitting in your own comfort zone uh, uh believing that you had that that you know what you know and you have to get 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 out start to talk to people it can be a bit scary can be a bit uncomfortable it's a language barrier it's 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 a language barrier it's um i think i think that's still something we have to try to so in your data academy do you do this type of uh what i what i've been calling business literacy try to bridge the gap on the language on on uh, how do these two groups of people should talk together or not yeah i think yeah we we talk about the functions and, and some of the let's say technical areas of of the data landscape 
Wait, but from the business side, do you? And and the other way, now I think in the academy it's no. more uh, like let's say from data back to the business. Okay, yeah. these are the concepts that we are talking about. Yeah. I think once you start doing those projects, I think we expect them to supply us with the information. Okay, this is what what the business concepts are. Yeah. So in the in the training itself, the focus is more on getting the business people to understand data better. But in setting up the cross-functional teams right, that works out the business challenge toward a data challenge, there the focus is much more starting uh, with, with the business. Right? Mm -hmm. that, that's a, a smaller team. There the focus is much more on translating the business uh, challenge back to indeed the data uh, challenge. Yeah. Got it. So that's how the, the, in terms of picking which side of that you're going to especially focus the academy on, you're like, okay, let's make sure that the business folks really understand the, the data techniques, the data value, the data approaches, things yeah. like that. And then yeah. when you kick off these projects, then then you really expect that the uh, the data people will be curious, they'll get out of their comfort zone exactly. and they'll be getting that business knowledge through projects. And we so. also put them in the lead. Eh? So mm -hmm. uh, in our case, we work together with uh, ter terminals. Uh, so they have to uh, when we together want to start a project, they have to deliver a uh, analytical translator. They have to deliver an SME. They are leading that track. We are supporting them. We're advising them. We are supporting them. But they are they are uh, leading that. So the the training is really focused on at least on at talking about data analytics. Do we understand each other? And uh, yeah. So one of the things I'm fascinated about Vopac, and I think we need to talk about what is Vopac because we just started talking here. I, I, I met when I first met uh, Leo Brand, the CIO of Vopac. He said something that that I have repeated on this podcast many times, and and, <laughs> and I bring it up all the time. Vopac is a company who has existed for what 400 years. It's his mission to make sure that this company exists for another 400 years, mm -hmm. and and that mindset. It, that what I call that's the mindset of being resilient, not just mm -hmm. not just efficient, but being resilient. That is just beautiful. Yeah. I think that's something that gives you gives you a, a true north star to go uh, strive for. Um, and, and and I think we need more organizations, people thinking like that. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to kind of give us a little bit more background about Vopac and where that kind of gives more of that context of where that comes with this whole four hundred years uh, in the past and in the future. And and how how are you driving towards that? Like. How are you taking all the thought leadership, all the blah, 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 and saying, okay, this is all cool and stuff, but what if all of this is out there that's going to make me sure that we're going to be here for another 400 years? Yeah. Shall I start with you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll fill in. See, I just joined Volpark four, almost five years ago. So I missed lots of that legacy of 400, uh, <laughs> 400 years. But um, talking, that's, a that's bit fair. Of, <laughs> talking a bit about Volpark. Volpark is the world's leading tank storage provider. So we store oils, we store gases, we store chemicals. As long as it is bulk liquids, we can store it all around the world, 70 terminals around the world. Um, and I think also coming a bit back to your um, question, uh, well, what makes it interesting is that we didn't start it this way. 400 years ago, there was no uh, uh, tank storage <laughs> providing. We started in, uh, in uh, well, we call it the, the time of the VOC, you know, when the Dutch went out went, with, with their boats and they started to uh, trade with people in uh, in Asia, etc. Um, and then Vopak was that company that had these pakhuizen. Yeah, the store, if, if you if you picture Amsterdam, you see these houses on the with the little canals. Mm -hmm. Those were storage houses, mm. and the, at that time that was for dry bulk, exactly like yeah. spices. Yep. Everything you couldn't get or didn't grow here. So Vopak reinvented itself already a few times. Well, otherwise it wouldn't be here where it uh, is uh, it is now. Yeah. What I found, like, what I, I'm coming from the financial uh, industry. What I found when I joined Vopak was actually two things that was being communicated almost on day one that they tried to find a balance between shorter performance, like every organization uh, does, long-term value creation. And the second thing is being valued as important as the first thing. And I think that is part of the DNA of Vopak that they have obviously uh, su successfully found a balance in short-term performance and long-term value creation. And I think, yeah, that's probably the uh, the thing that they did well. Yeah. yeah. I love this. So shorter performance shorter and long-term value, which is yeah. what we talked about, right? The, this efficiency and resilience. And I think this is the world lacks this. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's 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 a an infrastructure asset-rich company. So if you're in the financial services, next year could be a good year. Year after that, you're done. Mm -hmm. 
in the world of Fopac, sometimes it's it's part of like a chemical, like an industrial complex. But this contract can last 10 to 20, 30 years, maybe. Mm. But you have to think long term in those kinds of areas. So structurally, your company actually has to think about the longer term. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of sort of your your processes and your money and, and a lot that's built around thinking about the long term, even yeah. just yeah. by nature. Exactly. It's yeah. capital intensive. There is lots amount of money uh, that has to be uh, that is flowing around when you want to buy this uh, such a tank terminal uh, or when you have to maintain such a tank terminal yeah. so you have to think a bit more longer yeah. so you know has this asset rich kind of aspect of business and and just in general your journey around data how how does that impact your data strategy like is there a lot of emphasis on like internet of things and things yeah. like that you've had to be very focused on like how else has that really impacted your data strategy a lot yeah, so I think one of the things that really changed in the last few years is that we have been tapping into sensor data. Mm -hmm. So until that time, there was like many other, other organizations, and that is also the stuff that we have been doing for like tens of years, right? We, we were collecting the um, data from our administrative uh, systems and, of course, extracting insights out of that and putting that in uh, click uh, 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 BI, uh, BI dashboards. Mm -hmm. What really is changing the game is these sensor data because that is really causing you to understand the asset out there and that's the capital intensive stuff this asset is expensive mm -hmm. um if that asset doesn't work at the time that the customer is there loading his product or un unloading his product in our um, in our tank terminal that's expensive mm -hmm. so it's the sensor data that really is going to be the game changer I think for many uh, industrial uh, companies, but so also for uh, Vopak in better understanding the assets. What is the health of the assets? What is the health of the assets? That's what you want to know as an as an as an asset com co company, right? How is how is my pump doing? How is my my pipeline doing? How is my tank uh, doing? Is it still fine, or do I have to get it out of maintenance? And you want to do that at the, at the right time, getting it out of uh, maintenance. And uh, there, for that purpose, sensor data is uh, going to be key. Yeah. yeah. I think what's 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 also good to notice is there's, there's companies that that can produce these sensors at low cost, uh, and there's some terminals within the Vopak network that are seventy to eighty years old, mm -hmm. and then you have these very old installations, but it's still working. But you don't know how it's working because it's it's it's, it's disconnected. So you can either replace it with very expensive new equipment, or you can equip it with low cost sensors and learn more about it, and then let's say extend the life of those uh, of those machinery of that equipment yeah. but yeah that's 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 also a yeah that's a different way of thinking about sustainability i mean you can replace everything with the latest technology that's economically not viable but it's also a waste you can also extend this life with with new technology mm. i'm going to make a quick connected something i'm listening to this and, and connecting some dots it's like almost managing old monolithic infrastructures of data and mainframes and stuff yeah, like that, right? Yeah. And at it's the end like of the day, that. you're like you're 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 trying to understand what is the, the understand that asset that's most important to you, which this is like actually a tank, and you want to be able to get as much knowledge about it from the original source, right? Yeah. I can and and the original source is to literally put a sensor at that tank, right? Yeah. And then if you kind of make that analogy with data, which I mean, it's kind of super meta meta here because you guys are probably already doing that is yeah. to think about it. I want to understand the quality of things, but not so upstream where the dashboard is happening. It's like, let's get that back to where the actual, that data was being generated. Yeah. And at some point you're like, well, when we got this old infrastructure uh, monolithic thing or an IBM mainframe, whatever, but it's still working, right? Yeah. We should eventually get out of it, but let's try to understand as much what we can yeah. there's knowledge in there like yeah, try to yeah. understand that such that the day that we do need to go move we have a lot of knowledge about that stuff i don't know that does that makes this I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to connect dots here with this yeah yeah, yeah you have to yeah. think about like it uh like the, the the software on your laptop right you can update that maybe three or four times a year some some platform do it every day if you think about ot software so things like DCS, so those are like distributed control systems where you can see what pump is running there. There's no way you can do, okay, let's do an upgrade over the weekend. And uh, if it fails, I just try it again, right? Th those things are like lengthy processors. Some of that mm -hmm. software is very old, but you can still get, yeah, let's say get the data out. And yeah, and those things you also need to think long-term. I think there's machinery that doesn't, it's not even supported anymore. Is it, as in 
the the, the people who build it don't don't work there anymore, right? So yeah. it's very yeah. some of those things are very old technology. Yeah. But but you can give it new life if you uh, yeah, if you get the data out, get the value out, and understand it more how it's behaving. That's, there's such an interesting set of sort of business and data questions that y'all have, and 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 just tying that to what you were saying about the academy and how that's enabling a lot of people. It seems like, um, and and correct me where I'm wrong here. It seems like you've got a lot of parts of the organization that want to do things with data, want to yeah. answer questions, yeah. sort of decentralized empowered teams and things like that is that kind of the way things are set up and, and you're trying to foster that you want these different groups to really all kind of dig into the data and, and, and be empowered in that way yeah there is a lot of yeah so so we're focusing more on better collaboration between the the, the teams and mm -hmm. so the decentralization so it is quite decentralized well Volpac is a very de decentralized company because we have 70 slightly different terminals around the world mm -hmm. so that makes us a very decentralized uh, uh, organization but uh, maybe a bit the same analogy of what Valentine just uh, uh, thinking um, um, by just finding ways of better collaborating between the different teams. Uh, don't change organization, don't, don't change architecture, just finding a way to better col collaborate between the teams. Mm -hmm. We think there is a lot of value that can be getting out of uh, here. It's also maybe uh, it's the sensor measurements. That was the thing that I just got in my mind. It's the sensor measurements, uh, understanding uh, the assets better that helps us in reducing the greenhouse gas emissions and because we now with the sensor measurements we better understand which asset is consuming what energy and then we find out hey i have on paper two the same tanks insulated similar contains the same products but this tank is consuming much more energy than that tank how is that possible and that question then you start to find out hey but the insulation doesn't work there's nowhere that, that you can see that with your eyes, right? But the data, the sensor, that's what yeah. they're telling you. So I, I, I want to get into some of the sensor data, but just, just a quick uh, little pause here. The, this episode is brought to you by Data.World, the catalog for your data mesh, a whole new paradigm for data empowerment. So to learn more, go to our website, the data.world. And talking about uh, on this whole sensors, and we're talking about real time, we got a couple more episodes on, on, on this topic. Is this something, and going back to the whole thought leadership and trends and stuff, how much of this real time and sensor data it, do you think it, the world, I mean, the data world is going to shift towards that? Or is it just going to be some sort of industry? Because right now what I'm seeing a lot is like, oh, real time, everybody go real time. That's one of the things that you're starting to see, right? How much of that is like truly we the world is going to go there? Or it's like, no, 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 you don't need that. That's, that's bullshitty for you. Like some organizations need to go do that. How, what's your perspective on that? We are within Volpac, we also uh, want to uh, do re re real time. Right? That's an important thing of our uh, strategy. But I found out that the way business interprets real time is different than the way IT interprets real time. Business interprets real time as within 15 minutes. Not, not, not for everything, of course. No, but this is great. When yeah. we talk about real time, yeah. like what do we mean by real time? Because that means mean different for time. everybody. That's a... I, I watched from my wearing my IT hat, I thought real time. Oh, that means no Sub delay. Segments. That means milliseconds. And you came from the yeah. finance world, right? Where yeah. real time is quite yeah. fast, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> quite fast. Yeah. So, um, but I think coming back to that uh, one, yeah, I mean, obviously we're moving more to real time. And um, uh, that's also something that, uh, that we are doing. But then I struggle sometimes also a bit with the question analyzing in real time. What does it actually mean? Because yeah. if you want to analyze, you want to you want to put context to it, right? You want to you want to yeah. have this you you want to look at it you event from different perspectives. So to what extent can you do that in re real time? Yeah. So um, well, you probably know better, uh, Valentine, but uh, these sensor data, it's not being analyzed in real time. I mean, it's being guarded, of course, continuously. Mm. But it's not being analyzed in real time. No. Yeah. I mean, Juan, you're a scientist, right? You can't write your papers in real time. Like you think of it as in the fly. Well, I mean, depend. I mean, I write it in real yeah, time, yeah, right? Yeah. No, but 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 again, this goes back to what does real time actually mean? And this I is often find that real time is just uh, yeah, not a word for it's automated in some way. I don't have to put that much effort in it. Maybe that's how it's seen as real time. That's as an it, honest it, no it, BS definition it, right as there. It happens <laughs> as it happens without my interference, then it's somehow real time yeah. i don't need to manage it maybe that's uh, it happens without my interference yeah. also the industrial uh many industrial companies they still come from a background where many things are being done with papers and pencils mm -hmm. so an operator would walk over the plants 
and he would like he would have this paper and pencil and he was saying does this pump still work yeah, yeah. still works that's real time right there and that's real time <laughs> right but it stays right there the and, then, and then on friday afternoon uh you know when they had a few hours that it was then it would put it into a uh, system so i think from that we we now say that's not real time then you have like the information only on a weekly basis it's being refreshed on a weekly basis so if you can already move to uh, uh having data in a half an hour basis or 10 minutes uh, basis i think you're being close to real time yeah 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 if you can do the data analysis in you know 15 minutes and 30 minutes then that actually might be extremely fast yeah maybe real you know real time collection may make sense yeah. because mm -hmm. of the sensor data and things like yeah. that yeah. but yeah. i think yeah. I, going back to a comment i think you made and kind of both of you were implying is that uh like why real time? Like what action or insight actually becomes better with real yeah. time? And and if yeah. you, and if you can't really answer the question, then it's like, well, why why am I asking for this to be real time? Am I, re am I really going to be staring at the sensor and doing anything about yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, if the analytics not real time, so why should the uh, sorry, if the decision is not real time, so why should the analytics be one? Right. So that, that's a good one. Like, how, how do you go through this whole? All the BS stuff or, or non-BS stuff through what happens with yeah. sensors in real time, like you well, gotta be very critical about it. I mean, if you're mm -hmm. driving your car, right, you're in the navigation, then things need to be real time because you need to go. Am I going to go left or right? If it takes like yeah. 50 minutes for your best uh, best route, then, I, I don't then, want, like, uh, then, then you need that. I don't want my backup sensor to be on a 10 minute real time. That would be not good. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so speaking of like real time, so that, I think that's a very interesting topic and an interesting trend. I think in general, streaming real time continues to be sort of a yeah. trend. You know, there's there's a few other things that are kind of trending, right? Things like uh, knowledge graph is, yeah. it feels like it's trending, data mesh, semantic layer, data as a product, data valuation. Um, what what are you what are you both most interested in here? Like, what is catching your attention? What are you most excited about? What are you cautious about? Many of the things you just mentioned. Mm. Um, All right, let, let's go. That was good. That. that was good. Let's, let's get through that BS <laughs> meter right there. So, data mesh. And I think when we're going to discuss data mesh, we will touch upon a few things. Hmm. What I now want to find in the data mesh discussion discussion is that it is kind of a binary thing. You know, it is either you do data mesh or you don't do data mesh. I think of it a bit different. I think of the way I understand data mesh is that it is a solution to a challenge where your central data team is the bottleneck in delivering uh, getting value out of data mm -hmm. and i think it, it kind of sketches an an, an, an approach um, starting from uh, more ownership all the way to changing your architecture and your organization that's quite impactful changing your architecture and changing your organization i think there will be organizations out there where probably uh, that could be a solution if i look at vopac I think changing the architecture and changing the organization, uh, we don't have to do that yet. What I was saying earlier, uh, I firmly believe in better collaboration between the teams. I firmly believe in better ownership of our data. Yeah? So the central data team cannot own the data. Yeah? They are an enabler in uh, uh, getting the data to, uh, at, the right, uh, at the right time to, to the right person. They cannot own the data. So that is something that we do em emphasize on. Who is the owner of the data? Not something within IT. That's the business uh, person. We're mm -hmm. educating them on taking more ownership about uh, the data. So that's one. I think that's one of the principles of uh, of data mesh also. And the other one, data as a product, certainly I also believe in uh, uh, in that. And so, and what I mean with data as a product is that the data is being described that has a certain contract or or schema. Mm -hmm. It is clear what the person is that you can ask questions to if you have uh, questions about the data if you want to request for additional fields uh, uh, there is a clear process on on how to do that those are the things that we are putting in place at this moment in time um, so that, that's data mesh what about right. other other things around uh we're talking about like data i mean semantic layers with knowledge graphs yeah. data monetizations and, and, and how are you figuring this out? Is like, are you keeping it in within a smaller team to go, to consider it, or yeah. is this, yeah. or is everybody starting to talk about this stuff, and you have to gonna like, all right, let's calm down. I, I, think, yeah. we're, I think we're in the process of because it's decentralized, so we rely more on self-service or yeah, mm -hmm. uh, people working on data outside. Let's say what we can see in our uh, own uh, spot in the office. So then I think data products is very important, and now we're thinking about okay. If I offer data, what does it need to be? So the things Rue describes, so we're thinking, okay, what, what kind of description would it need? Mm -hmm. I think if I refer back that to a semantic layer, I think the process where we need to go into is, okay, I have this 
single view of our data, so with an owner, etc., that describes all of our customers. But how are they related to other parts of the business? The semantics, what does it mean? What's the, what's the relationship between a customer and, and a single product? That's, I think that's the area where um, it's both a technology challenge. So what's the, let's say, what's the best technology to combine those things? Because you need them both. But it's also a, yeah, let's say more of a, a knowledge or a non-technical challenge in a way. Can someone else understand the relation between the, let's say, the different data products? In, 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 I, I'm just going, I'm organizing my thought on this one. Titles, like roles, we're talking, we're, we're hearing a lot of people thinking about, oh, we need this new roles, like analytics engineer and data product managers and stuff. Do you see that? Are you switching the name? Like, we're not going to call you a data steward anymore. We're going to call you a data product manager. Or, I mean, I mean, is is this is this helpful or is that just bullshitty and that's just confusing things? Or or there truly needs to be a new type of role like this stuff? Like, how, how are you seeing this? Yeah, I think I think it. what we sometimes struggle with is indeed the different roles. Um, but I think the industry is also uh, struggling with it as a whole because uh, mm -hmm. roles come and go only uh, almost on a da daily basis, right? <laughs> I think what would help, and that's at the same time, that's very difficult because every organization is uh, different. But I think the role of data stewards is something we're implementing as we uh, as 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 we speak. Um, I, I think that is as an important role. Does it have to be a full time employee? No, not necessarily. It can be it's a role that can be attached to an existing uh, function, for, for, for example. So I like to distinguish between role and, uh, and uh, function. The data product manager. Uh, Maybe, but at this moment in time, I don't see that really happening within our uh, or, or, or organization. No, no. So then, in in this case, when you're thinking about data, going back to or one of our first points, data is kind of the liability and as the assets. Like, who is that person? Where do they where where are they working? Who do they report to? Who are looking talking to the people, right, and getting yeah. those requirements? Yeah. And, and I'm curious, what title do they have? Well, from an from an IT uh, point of view, uh, they wear different titles. Uh, they are called solution managers of uh, or uh, product managers. Um, I think it would be kind of a logical way to maybe uh, add the function of data product manager. Sorry, the role of data project mem uh, manager uh, to maybe add that to existing functions like the people that are all, all that are already doing that for IT. Maybe they are the best uh, best in place to do it for data as well. I do not have the answer at this moment in uh, in time. I think also you need a kind of you, you you need a certain size and certain maturity to have all these different data roles, right? And have uh, uh, certain people for uh, for that. Um, so I would say some I find helpful uh, and some I find uh, confusing for for <laughs> for, for confusing and not that helpful. No, no. <laughs> well, I think this is something as you just said. Like the industry is still trying to go figure this out. And I think uh, that we've we continue to evolve, and I think this is part of the we read all this stuff out there, and like, what do we go call this? And we're just we need to sit down, and and I think having this data academy, I think for me that's like the most important takeaway right now is have a data academy, whatever you want to call it, but just bring in different people from different sides of the company, from the business, the tech side, and then you you just need to talk to your peers, talk to and them. and that diversity of thought is what's going to help us kind of. Yeah ground us to the reality of at the end of the day how is this mm -hmm. making us money or saving us money exactly. break those barriers right Bre break those barriers oh, so, feel uncomfortable yeah so, exactly uh, try to feel try to feel uncomfortable but uh, yeah don't get yourself stopped indeed and uh, going to your uh, to the person i think in in this cross-functional teams i'm not sure if i uh, because you 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 just mentioned the one i was more talking about i, I think i explained it as uh, i have People with a with, with a business question, and I have uh, I have people from uh, from uh, from our team there. We also are extending the team. So if there are many questions about the data that needs to be analyzed, uh, we we put uh, people in the team that understand that data. So I, I think the notion of having this cross that temporarily cross-functional team that is indeed trying to to solve this business challenge or, or business opportunity and just finding the right people and put them in uh, put, put, put them in, in uh, one team i think that is the that is at least what uh, brings us a lot of uh, value at this moment in time yeah all right well 
as always, we can keep talking about this. This is very, very interesting because I, I really appreciate is that uh, that perspective that folks, I mean, like you guys work at VOPAC and other companies around that who had that long term. And I think that's a, a very unique perspective and uh, we need more of that in the world. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's let's move on to our lightning round, which is presented by Data.World, the enterprise data catalog for your data and knowledge. Uh, I'm going to start off. So are data products uh, a more important concept than data mesh itself? Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, but it's not one way or the other, right? So, but then again, yes, <laughs> the, products <laughs> would, the products would be more important, but I don't think uh, it, it, it ties into the idea of of, of ownership. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. All right, next question. Um, so we talked about the traditional stuff and we talked about more of the trendy stuff. Uh, do we do, need to do more of the so-called traditional data management work, right? The master data management, the data modeling. Do we need to do more of that than we're doing right now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think hey, everybody, get on that. All right. <laughs> Go back to our Easy roots. on the trends. Easy on the trends, Easy everybody. The trends. <laughs> I think my... Uh, my theory on all the trends and the roles, et cetera, is as tech guys, maybe we understand that the computers at one day will take over. So if we keep inventing more roles, we're going to keep confusing the computer. That's true. Take over. <laughs> That's true. It's the like a rat race. It's the like AI doesn't know you. who to impersonate if you keep changing the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, now I know how to be a data engineer. A data engineer. Okay, okay, but now you need to be a data product manager. So you're like, it's not, it's an analytics <laughs> engineer. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, ah. something else. <laughs> Love it. All right. Next question. Is a catalog and a metadata a key part of a strategy to for collaboration data products? Absolutely, yes. Uh, are, are we supposed to say yes? I mean, yes, give yes, some. No, or do we, uh, I mean, do you we provide some context right? if you want. Like, yeah, you maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> I, I think I already also explained it a bit. Huh? I think co collaboration uh, and uh, being facilitated by tooling is really, really key. Yeah. Yeah. You're not yeah. a computer, so you see a one or a zero, you don't know what it means. You need that context. Yeah. Context. Context, context. We call our knowledge first world. People, context, relationships first. Yeah. I mean, the computer knows a one and a zero. Mm -hmm. we, we don't know that. Yeah. yeah. All right, last question. We, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Yeah. yeah so uh, we, we, we were just coming from our Houston uh, uh, office, and we spoke to many people over there, and there was just one maintenance engineer that was uh, asking ourselves the question, I would like to analyze pumps. At what data do I have about my pumps? Mm -hmm. Catalog, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so last question. Uh, can smaller companies implement a data academy as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe may good to mention there, um, although we work together with an external co company to well, help and set it up, mm -hmm. in the end, we developed uh, our own training contents. And so it doesn't have to be expensive. I think if you are a data expert, um, maybe you need a bit of help huh, from people that are maybe a bit more into it. Sometimes in your HR department or your co com communication department, uh, they have probably people that can help you out how to put content together in such a way that is being easily consumed by other people. Mm -hmm. I think people can start, if you create the training your, 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 yourself, you get the people yourself, yeah, you can just do it. Yeah. You just brought up something that came up also last week and actually spoke with our VP of, of employee experiences this week about it too, which is how does this education of the business and the data together should probably be part of the HR, the employee experience yeah. onboarding process for organizations. Yeah. And I think that is a completely untapped opportunity because, yeah. because yes, you, you get onboarded and here, okay, here's the tools, here's the things we go do, but no, yeah. actually explain this. And, and yeah, we go through the mission and vision of the company like this, but no, yeah. no, explain us really how this business works and how the flow of it. I think that's how you actually get that understanding, that context. It's one of the languages you speak on. The, the languages. Board. So you need, you need to be able to speak that language yeah. if you want to communicate with your peers. And I love how you just said, like, maybe you just go talk to your HR organization because they probably already have the people in place to go help go do this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I, I love how we just, we talk about data, but at the end of the day, it starts getting connected with so many different parts of the organization. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like the, the data, and this is something that we've been, I, we wrote, I wrote up this thing with, with Mohammed Osser, right? The 3%, the 97%, 3% of an organization, we've been, we've been analyzing LinkedIn employee data. 3% of the organization are data people. 97% yeah. aren't. Yeah. We need to make sure that we're empowering 
we're not just focusing on that three percent. And that three percent should understand what the other ninety-seven percent is doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I argue all those ninety-seven percent are also data people. They just don't know but, it. Yeah, they don't have the titles. Is that right? They don't, it's not uh, in the title. But but they all they all There's, use data and they make yeah. they, and, they, and that's how they make sure that they can accomplish their tasks every day. That. Yeah, that resonates so much with me, Valentine. And and I think that um, I think the more we have these conversations, we're getting dangerously close to hundred episodes now. Um, <laughs> we uh, it, it's clear that data is a mirror. Of the rest of the business and i think we always think data is something separate it's something different all oh, the data people it's like no data is actually on it's a, the understanding and it's the fabric of the rest of the business yeah, yeah. so it's a fabric data, that data turns into a mesh and it brings us all together oh, you, right? ruined, <laughs> you, ruined, you ruined the analogy man well you said the word fabric i mean yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right all right all right Takeaways. T -t Tim, take us away with your takeaways. All you right. go first. Oh, man. Amazing yeah. takeaways today. This was a great conversation. Um, some of my big takeaways I wrote down is that uh, you kind of talked about the beginning of the journey, you know, around data. Uh, first getting into data management many years ago, it seemed like in, uh, Inman versus Kimball was the big question. And obviously, for good reasons, things have gotten a lot more complicated yeah. and, uh, and more interesting, too, I think. Um, but, you know, we started to talk about how we reconcile the traditional with the new and the trendy. Um, and you talked especially about this idea of treating data like an asset uh, and balancing that with treating it like a liability and how that becomes an overarching philosophy that can be applied both to the traditional world as well as the newer world in terms of data, in terms of business strategy. Um, and then in the past, Juan, you kind of mentioned liability may have been more the emphasis, but you know the sort of the good asset aspect is starting to become a lot more of a big, big aspect here. Um, and uh, things like MDM, things like uh, data modeling, these are some traditional things that I think maybe faded a little bit or became a little out of vogue, but now a lot of these things are, are roaring back. Uh, data cataloging and governance, you could also say, is kind of a more traditional activity yeah. that has really seen a new life in yeah. recent days, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, we talked about this importance of breaking down these silos, breaking <clears throat> down these barriers and uh, and enabling the company. And one of the big ways that you talked about BOPAC doing that is this data academy, right? Uh, bringing together a cross-functional team, training them to establish a common language. What does it mean to work together and overcome challenges and gain value for around the data? And the focus being around the business objective, like really focusing on the business value, the business objective, helping people be uncomfortable and then empowering them. So as they go off and do these projects, as they kind of go back to their decentralized life, because a lot of you mentioned a lot of OPEC is very decentralized in nature, that they're bringing that learning, those skills there. And that actually the business people, they learned about the data. Now the data people can learn about the business as these projects kind of go underway. Yep. So those are some of the big things I wrote down. Uh, Juan, what were, what were your big takeaways? Yeah. Well, I, I go back to this over and over again, the whole 400 years and, and we exist for another 400 years focus on value creation, short performance and long-term value. I think this is a very, very important takeaway that again, I hope, I really, really hope people think about this. And, and I think we need to change incentives and stuff, but this is something we should go strive towards. So how do you have that resiliency with the data strategy within VOPAC, for example? I think you guys are focusing on sensors data, right? That's, that is how you that, that is your strategy or one of your strategies around that, right? You wanna know the health of your asset. You know? How is this pump doing, this old site? Uh, can the data tell me how I can make an old site last longer? Uh, because now that data is visible. Um, and I, I, we made this really cool analogy, in my opinion, about how we can push, consider that as pushing the health of equality back to the source. So make that dark asset visible, make that dark data visible. And I mean, even though we're, we're thinking about it as, as tanks and pumps, like you can even see it within your organization, uh, with your data that you have, like push that back to the, the original source. And another way of doing that resiliency with your data strategy is focusing on collaboration. You'll have 70 different uh, kind of different sites. There's 70 different large groups all over the world spread out. Like you need to help them have those insights. And I think that's where kind of Data Academy will come in. Other kind of trends that you're seeing too is real time, right? We talk about real time. What is your interpretation of real time, right? Is 15 minutes, is it a millisecond? We really need to understand what you mean by real time and ask why. I mean, this is another trend we see, we're constantly seeing through all our episodes. Ask why, 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 and how does this actually make me better with real time? And Valentine, you said real time, it happens without my interference. So maybe that's a better definition of what real time could be. And then other trends, we talked about data mesh, of course, it comes up a lot and it's not a binary thing, right? It's, it's really a solution that central data data bottleneck team. And um, and we talked about also kind of the roles. They come and go. At the end, the industry is really struggling with this itself. And it's just us that we need to be kind of 
just be very explicit. And one of the things to think about is, is it a role or functions, right? Yeah. Kind of have that separation. Yeah. I understand that. Um, how did we do? Anything we missed? Anything? Uh, I think that was a good recap, but I would have to listen again and make sure. All right. <laughs> so let's start over. <laughs> All right. So let's throw, throw it back to y'all. So three questions. One, what's your advice about data, about life? Very broad on purpose. Uh, second, what resources do you follow? People, blogs, books, conference, whatever. And third, who should we invite next? So advice, who wants to go first? I have some advice, maybe mm -hmm. in perfect in, in, in for the data and in, in life or jobs in general. I'd say, and especially if you hear all these buzzwords and whatever you try to do, I'd say that uh, perfect or being perfect, that's the enemy of just good. Mm. So if you can have a good idea or if you, have, you believe something is good, go for it. Don't wait to, to be perfect. You, you can shape it out later. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, sometimes you're just blocking yourself if you're looking for something perfect. Sage advice and useful in the data world too. Yeah, yeah, it, it applies to many areas. You see a good bar, don't waste uh, finding uh, the perfect bar. Right? Ah, <laughs> go, for that one. Don't go, go for that one, settle down. That's a good one. How much time are we wasting looking for a bar and then yeah, yeah. they all close? They, they all close. <laughs> Just get out on the good one. Um, my, what, what helps me a lot in my job is uh, showing a bit of empathy and really trying to understand that other person that you're, that you're talking to, right? If you really try to understand his concerns, uh, even if maybe you think you might completely disagree with this person eh, because he has a completely different opinion than you, I think with, with a bit of empathy, you will find that you would better understand him and come to a, uh, a uh, agreement on the things that you have to agree upon. I love that, empathy. That's another topic that comes up a lot, empathy. We've discussed with a lot of people. I think this is another trend: is to understand others, get understand others. Yeah. What resources do you follow? I just mentioned you on forehand. I'm a I'm a books guy. Um, I think blogs are too volatile for me. Maybe a bit old school opinion, but uh, I'm I'm a I'm a books guy. I read a lot of books. Currently, I'm reading um, The Information by uh, James Gleick. Love it. So for the people that haven't read it, uh, are interested in data, The Information by James Gleick. I think it's uh, yeah. Great suggestion. Yeah. Mm. What about you? Resources? Uh, not a particular resources, but I did read a good book over the summer, so I thought well, let's just recommend that one. Then uh, you'll find yeah, out. Sure. So it's uh, it's completely different uh, topic, but another fascination of mine is the Second World War, whatever happened there. Mm. So the, I, this summer I read a book by Roxanne. She uh, she wrote that book, and she wrote a book about the sisters of Auschwitz. Uh, she moved into a very old house and behind the walls there were all these old papers uh, and uh, th those were like uh, newspapers from uh, like resistance parties or, or, or Jewish families hiding mm. for uh, within the war. And she reconstructed all of that with archives, uh, talking to old family members, uh, the things she found in her house. And it was a full on, like it's a yeah, it's a non-fiction book. Mm -hmm. So she reconstructed the whole story. It was very impressive. And I think it was translated to uh, to English. And I think that you can buy it uh, in the US as yeah, well. And they're going to make a movie on it. So it has to be good. And I, I, it was impressive. 300 pages, one week. Oh, wow. So it, it's not really data related, but it's at least uh, reconstructing the story from information. Oh, you that's find. interesting. There qualitative and quantitative information. Yeah, so yeah, what yeah. was the name of it again? Sisters of Auschwitz. Sisters of Auschwitz. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's, that's the English translation. Mm -hmm. yeah. So finally, who should we invite next? I hope that you can invite Christian Matsbjerg. Okay. He is, um, he is a, a person that also wrote a very interesting book. Uh, he studied humanities and he has a consultancy firm that does a lot of well uh, consultancy uh, uh, jobs uh, with a, a lot of data. And he wrote this great book of how you can kind of blend data with you, humanities. What is the thing that data is uh, good at? And what is the thing that we as humans still uh, still need to do? So if you can get him for the show, that would be great. Interesting. Yeah. That would be yeah. interesting. Do you have a suggestion? I have no suggestion for you, but I'll, I'll let you know. When <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, th this was a fantastic conversation. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to be uh, live with Joe Rice and Matt Hoosley. They're from Terranity Data. They also have their mod mod more... Uh, 
Monday morning data chats. We were on their podcast, I think, one or two weeks ago, and now we're getting get the chance to have them on our podcast yeah. they wrote the book data engine the fundamentals of data engineering on wow. riley yeah. i just got the book delivered for me yesterday i'm really excited so that's another book recommendation <laughs> i also like to buy, buy books i don't like the ebooks either so and then also uh next week no not next week in two weeks time something like that we have the data.world summit so go, september 22nd actually three weeks uh data.world you can find more about our summit and with that thank you all Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was awesome. You. It was yeah, awesome. Thank, you. thank you for having us. And, thank uh, you. All, and as always, thanks to Data.World who lets us do this every Wednesday. Data.World, the data catalog for your successful cloud migration. Just visit us at Data.World. And you guys, thank you so much. Thanks, Rule. Thanks, Valentine. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Thanks Bye, for everybody. Guys. Cheers. I'm, I'm this is Catalog and Cocktails. A special thanks to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Catalog and Cocktails fan base.